Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. My name is Connor, and you are listening to another episode of Film Talks. This week, we got a full plate. Uh, we, we got the uh, Val Kilmer documentary coming out on Amazon. It's going to be narrated by his son. And then we have some more drama around Marvel and Hollywood. We have some more people talking about how Marvel is ruining the movie business and all that. And uh, So I'm going to summarize what everybody's saying and if they're right or wrong, well, from what I can tell. And then uh, for what I'm watching, we're going to talk about Luca and Raya the Last Dragon. I'm going to try to like put them together. So let's get into it. First off, we have Val Kilmer's documentary. It looks very interesting. I don't know if anyone, um, you should know who Val Kilmer is. He was Batman Forever. He was in the Saint movie, uh, Tombstone, Top Gun, um, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, maybe. I doubt that would be the movie you recognize him from. But uh, he recently, I, I think recently, yeah, he recently had throat surgery because he had throat cancer. And I think he is cancer-free. I'm not sure, but I believe he's cancer-free. But because of the surgery, he, he speaking is very difficult for him. Uh, so um, it, he kind of has that um, smoker voice going whenever he talks. I'm not sure. It, they're, they're saying he can get better. I'm not sure if it will get better to the point like, hey, you're going to see him in a movie. I think... Uh, he gets tired frequently. He's just, you know, he's just out of it. And, you know, he's older. So maybe I don't I don't know how inclined he is to even do movies. I, I think he he is going to be in the new Top Gun movie with Tom Cruise. I don't know how much. And I doubt he'll have a speaking role because I, I, I personally I, from what I can tell, I think he's a little embarrassed of his voice. But uh, in good news, he is releasing this documentary. Well, I don't know if he's releasing it, but somebody is. And they used all this footage that he had been recording when he was younger. Apparently, you know, he had childhood movies he made with his brother uh, before his brother tragically passed away. And then um, just throughout his movie career, he would always just bring a camera around and record things. Very similar to if you've seen the Heath Ledger documentary. I'm not sure where that was on. I think it was on uh, Spike TV. I don't even know, but I know they did a Heath Ledger documentary and it was very similar because Heath Ledger just, uh, loved recording things. So they had a lot of material to work with. In this instance, uh, Val Kilmer was very similar, except I think Val Kilmer, obviously, I don't, I don't need to think. Val Kilmer is a very different type of person than Heath Ledger. So I think this one is going to be a lot more dramatic. I think the Heath Ledger one was kind of remembering him and the good, bits of his life. I think in this one, especially since Velcomer's alive and Velcomer is kind of um, saying yes and no to certain things in his movie, you're going to see a little more uh, roughness around Val Kilmer. They, in the trailer, they showcased him getting into a fight with the a movie director because he didn't want to turn off his camera and stuff like that. So um, very, I don't know, uh, movie star, I'm too famous for you to tell me what to do kind of person. So we'll see what that's like. I think it's really cool, though, that uh, Val Kilmer will be talking a little bit in this movie, but again, I mentioned his voice. So they are bringing in his son to narrate Val Kilmer's documentary as himself. So his son is trying to, is, is, portraying his dad as the narrator and sometimes it's really weird like it does sound like a young Val Kilmer 
but I, I think it's very sweet that his son kind of chipped in to help out his dad. Uh, so ch- check that out. I'm not sure they have a release date yet, but it's uh, I'm I'm interested in it. I'm probably going to check it out. Val Kilmer documentary on Amazon Prime. Next up, there was uh, some stuff going on between Marvel and Hollywood. So you may have heard about this a while ago. Martin Scorsese got into a bit of hot water because he... He basically said Marvel is bad for entertainment. He basically compared Marvel movies or superhero movies in general to amusement park rides. And I think this is when you get into that ground where you have those people who are um, art enthusiasts who think movies are these uh, movies are these kind of pretentious kind of artsy house kind of movies and like they have an expectation of what movies are supposed to be and marvel has sort of or marvel and dc superheroes in general have kind of commercialized movies and made them more palatable and you know the the purists will say that's not what movies are supposed to be movies are supposed to challenge us and help us grow and all the you know so yeah martin scorsese said uh superhero movies are not cinema and then Lou Ferrigno came in. Lou Ferrigno, well, maybe if you don't know who Martin Scorsese is, uh, Martin Scorsese is a, a director. He's directed quite a few things, um, mostly gangster movies. But, you know, if you've seen anything with um, with Leonardo DiCaprio or um, Al Pacino, probably, or some, Robert De Niro, like you've probably seen a Martin Scorsese movie. Uh, then Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno uh, was a really big bodybuilder in the uh, Schwarzenegger era, and um, he he played the Hulk in the TV show, uh, the, the Hulk TV show. I don't remember when it came out. I've never actually seen it, but I've seen clips of it. But he was the Hulk transformation because he was just this big hulking dude, and uh, they just color his skin green. And he was knocking the superhero movies because you know, he's very—he's one of those anti-CGI people. Because he was like, "Oh, I put all this work into being the Hulk and all that, and now now he's just CGI. There's no talent in that or whatever." Um, there is, but you know, I think he's just you know trying to toot his own horn. Yes, Lou Ferrigno, you you put in the work, you got the muscles. However, the Hulk is even bigger than you at your biggest so i have no problem with the cgi hulk um but the the most latest one is from actor steven dorm who by the way you probably don't know who he is uh, and i think that says it all some random guy <laughs> he's not i guess he's not random so like some someone's gonna know who he is uh he was in the blade movie the original blade movie he was in true detective season three he was in the immortals movie with henry cavill um he i don't know he's not a big he's not like george clooney he's just a guy who's been in some roles and uh he, he was basically going after the black widow movie and saying that you know he would never take a movie like that and he feels bad for scarlett johansson that she has to do it um and even if he got paid, what, $5 million to do the movie, he still wouldn't do it because it's an affront to his beliefs, and he'd much rather find the next Stanley Kubrick or something like that. And I don't know, that whole line of dialogue is just trash. I, I don't understand the people that will 
come after superhero movies just because, essentially because they're palatable or they're not artistic enough. I don't even think that's true anymore. I think we've seen artistic superhero movies. I think particularly in Marvel's case, they're coming after those superhero movies because they kind of have a pattern and they're kind of, sometimes they're cookie cutter. I think Marvel has realized this and Kevin Feige has been trying to change that. Um, you, you've seen it in these uh, Marvel TV shows on Disney+. Plus. WandaVision was kind of like a early sitcom. Um, Falcon and uh, what's it called? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That was, I guess it dealt, it dealt a lot with race tension and stuff in the country. And then Loki is a, a time travel heist that's also super, super heady. Like, they're talking about free will and stuff. So, like, that's that's full game in, like, that artistic realm. Um, but the grand scheme of Marvel, like, their their headline is they can get everyone to watch their movies. Like, I've, I've met one person who's like, yeah, I don't, like, I haven't seen those movies and I have no desire to see them. And, I mean, like, that's fine. It's their movies. Like, I think what we've talked about a lot on this podcast is you are able to watch whatever you want and everybody has their different tastes. But to say that the Marvel movies are not cinema simply because they don't challenge the viewer or... Um, I don't know, frame a shot in an artistic way. It's a little weird to me. Like, uh, thinking about Marvel movies, uh, the, I know, ah, I, I'm not going to, I'm never going to like sit here and try to defend Marvel and be like, yeah, they're super artistic. They're not. The scores are kind of boring sometimes. They have like one sound that everybody has recognized and they didn't even like utilize it throughout the whole thing like the avengers sound that is now famous basically because of the two latest avenger movies they they kind of like used it in the first one barely used it in the second one and then they brought it back besides that if i were to play you music from an avengers movie you probably wouldn't be able to tell me what movie it's from so the music eh, the the colors in in these marvel movies are kind of bland i've watched plenty of videos about people talking about how the color of concrete like that gray color is basically prevalent in all the movies like there's no color in any of it beside and but then that's something that they've been changing right so black panther was very colorful uh thor was very colorful so like that's some that's something that i think kevin feige has noticed and is able to change um and then even with creative expression Early on, we had Edgar Wright come in. He was the one who, uh, he directed Hot Fuzz, Baby Driver, Shaun of the Dead, and he was supposed to direct the first Ant-Man, and it was like his baby, and he was talking about it for a really long time, and they brought him on, and then he left for creative differences. I think even that has sort of changed. They've kind of loosened the reins a little bit, saying, hey, here's the overall narrative we need to go with, but they're not trying to hold on to everything as hard as they used to. So they're kind of letting people come in and, you know, put their flair on it, and I think it's it's for the best. So maybe you could say, I don't know. I, I think really what they're going for when they knock these movies is... There's a, a lot of CGI, and 
it's an action movie. I don't even know. Like, I don't know why you would come for these besides success, really. Like, I guess you, you're just mad at it because it's making a lot of money. But I don't even think it's it's a it's a certain kind of action movie. Like, action movies are never supposed to be artistic. I guess they can. Like, John Wick is semi-artistic compared to, like, Die Hard. But the weird thing about Marvel movies is the action isn't even the reason why you're going. You're going because you want to see the dialogue between the characters, and you want to see Iron Man be snappy towards Captain America and all that. You're not really in it to see Iron Man fly or shoot somebody with his plasma thingies on his hands. Um... You're there for dialogue, which I think is super interesting and I think would be helping the Hollywood industry in that people are seeing movies not necessarily for action but for characters and, you're, and you as a producer are able to be like, okay, so these are the kind of characters that resonate with people. Maybe we should, maybe we should make more movies with characters that are similar to that. I mean, you don't have to make them superheroes, but... I don't know, like, that's just me coming up with ideas, but I don't, I, I find it kind of pretentious that you have all these, like, film people coming in and being like, oh, this isn't real cinema, I would never do this, or whatever, first off, you probably would, dude, like, Stephen Dorm, you'd probably accept the paycheck, because everybody accepts the paycheck, if you're mad at it for CGI, okay, but, like, James Cameron is an artistic guy i think most people would say and he's like cgi master man over there like all of his movies have cgi like there are artistic directors that use cgi not everyone's like christopher nolan going hey i'm not going to use cgi even dennis villanueva this super artistic guy that we talked about with blade runner 2049 that had a ton of cgi but that was considered art house so you guys make up your own decisions. Uh, let me know in the comments what you guys think. I, I don't have a huge problem with Marvel. I think it has its place. It's essentially a family area. Like People see it because it's an event, because it's a, a movie that everyone can watch and everyone can enjoy. And I think that we need those kinds of movies. Not every movie needs to be like that. I think, yes, cinema should challenge us and, and show us things we've never seen before. But to always have something to fall back on and just sort of watch and rewatch is is fine. You know, I love that stuff. So, um, so if you're a Marvel fan, if you're a DC fan, superhero fan, let me know what sort of movie you think has has kind of shed that um, that label of being boring or not cinema, quote unquote, and let me know. Uh, and then last up, we have uh, what I've been watching. So I recently watched Luca and Raya the Last Dragon. Both movies, not that new of a release. Like, yes, new within the year, but I'm a little late on it because I just didn't get around to watching them. Uh, and then me and Jasmine were just like, hey, I'm bored. Let's just watch it. Which, by the way, so both are on Disney+. Plus. So we tried the... Uh, the party watch function and it's super great we tried net um uh, what's it called netflix party i think it's called a while ago and because it was like a different app that you needed to attach to the netflix app it was kind of bulky and not very user friendly because they've integrated it into disney plus it's it's perfect and me and jasmine were able to get onto it real easy and watch it and 
it was connected, so we were both watching the same thing at the same time. So if I paused it, it would be paused on hers, and it was it was fun. So uh, try that out if you've never used that function. But the first one we watched was uh, the first one we watched was Luca, and I'm not sure if I liked it. Jasmine cried. I don't think it resonated with me that much. I think the first thing that was kind of weird for me in watching both of these was the animation quality was a little strange to me. Luca at least had a style of animation, whereas Raya, I felt, was kind of going in the same kind of animation route as Frozen and Tangled, which I really wish Disney would just drop that form like that kind of style to it with like the big eyes and the round faces and stuff like just go to a new kind of anime, like a style, like spiff it up a little bit. Um, but both of them, I felt like were really lacking compared to other animated movies, particularly from Pixar. So we saw Finding Nemo. We saw especially Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4 animation wise was brilliant. Like they animated dust particles everywhere. Like it looked photo real and the reason why i'm not going after luca that much is i think luca was very um stylized in a certain way and it was kind of a new fresh kind of style whereas raya was a style but i don't think it was unique enough that it couldn't implement the technology they used with toy story 4 to kind of spiff it up and make it look like real like 4k brilliance um, so I wasn't really wowed with that kind of stuff, but, uh, before I get carried away, let me, let me get into my questions to really break down my feelings on these movies. So first off, was the storyline bloated or rushed in either of these two movies? Luca? No, I did not feel like it was rushed or bloated. I felt like it was perfectly paced. It was a short, fun little movie. Uh, Raya... Same thing. I felt like it had good beats, and I never felt like, you know, oh, it was trying to force stuff in there that didn't need to be in there, or it was kind of skipping over stuff. The pacing was fine in both. Um, then, then the second question is, are the characters relatable? Luca, are the characters relatable? Yes. I think Pixar, they're always good at that. They, they know how to make characters that people are able to get in touch with. They're kids, so... I think this is more kid-friendly than other Pixar movies. I think Pixar's big thing is they're able to hit the kids and hit the adults. I feel like in this one, they kind of miss the adults and they go after mostly the kids because it's such a simple story and there's not really a lot to read into that, you know, that's what you get. Raya the Last Dragon, same, not, not the same thing. I think that one does a really good job of hitting the kids and the adults. The kids, because it has those, you know, goofy, wacky characters. And then the adults, because I really like the message that they're kind of putting out there. And, yeah, I, th I think the only part that gets me in Raya is I felt like it was a little predictable. And sometimes the characters were a little one-dimensional. Like, and, and maybe... Uh, I'll get into it, but I think maybe that's the point, is that people are one-dimensional, and sometimes people just don't change. Even when all odds are saying, hey, this is what you're supposed to do, they'll, they'll stick with it, and they'll be like, hey, this is who I am, no matter what you say. 
Um, so yeah, I think both do a really good job at being relatable. However, Luca is more for kids than adults. Um, it's animation. So when on my for my third question, when I ask, does it draw attention to the fact that it's a movie? Uh, it's animation, so I don't think it ever has that problem. So we're just gonna skip that question, and then rewatchability. Would I rewatch either of these movies because of the love for the characters or the love for the story? Um, I would not rewatch Luca again because I think it's simple. I think it's been done before. I think it's like if you combine Finding Nemo and uh, The Little Mermaid because you have these sea monsters and um, you have the people on land, and the sea monsters are kind of infatuated with the human world, but then the adult sea monsters are like, hey, you can't go to the human world. That sounds like Finding Nemo, and it sounds like Little Mermaid. Uh, they're collecting people stuff. That's Little Mermaid. Uh, then the kids run away from home, Finding Nemo, and then the parents have to try and find the kids. And it's all sort of ends in... Uh, this town who used to hate sea monsters and want to hunt sea monsters kind of coming together over a pasta triathlon and saying, hey, we all love each other no matter what we look like, I guess. Okay. Yeah, maybe that's something we needed to hear at this time. Uh, but just uh, very simple. And then I guess the, the final thing is kind of the bond between friends and yeah. I guess that's where the heart is, like the bond between friends. But I don't know. It seemed just seemed didn't really hit those hit those emotion. <laughs> it just didn't really hit those emotional notes for me. Uh, Raya the Last Dragon, on the other hand, I might rewatch it. It's kind of hard with these with the Disney animated ones, like the like the the new ones, because they're they always seem a little long. Whereas the Pixar movies, oftentimes, they kind of feel very compact. Um, so this one, for the length, I would be a little scared of rewatching it. But I didn't mind the characters. Obviously, when I was watching it the first time, I think I called everything that was going to happen later in the movie, like, in the first scene. Because you could just tell, like, hey, this person's the bad guy. This, is, this person's going to use this item to try and turn the bad guy. And, you know, this, this, and that. So, story-wise, I don't think it was very fresh. I feel like it was very predictable and all that, and very Disney. But the characters were super cool because they kind of fed into this message that I, I myself have said multiple times. Whenever we have, like, obviously in America, we have all these big issues and all this stuff. And one of the biggest issues is that we have the people over here who are saying, hey, this is the right thing. And then the people over here are saying the right thing. And no matter what the results are saying, and no matter how, uh, how favorably one side is looked at than the other, no one is willing to kind of bend the knee to the other side and so it's just constantly at odds with each other and it's the same thing in this one except now there's like five different types of people and none of those groups are bending the knee to the other so they're constantly at war and the message of this movie is that in order for peace to be procured somebody has to bend the knee somebody has to you know remove the pride and just say this is what the world needs even if I don't wholly agree with you, even if I have slight mistrust, the only way for us to have peace is for me to just bend the knee and say, hey, 
what do you need? Let me help you. And even if that person decides to take that and say, and be selfish and be like, yeah, yeah, you will get some sort of peace. Inevitably, I think in this movie, you have the perfect kind of peace in that I bend the knee and the other person bends the knee to me, and now we're both bending the knee to each other. That's perfect peace. But I think, which which maybe isn't that realistic, but the thing that I like about this one is that typically in movies, I feel like too often when they broker peace, there's some weird thing that happens that isn't very realistic. Like some event happens where they both just have to unite and like the problem is gone. And this one, they're, they're, no matter how big the problem is, they have like these demons that are turning people to stone and all that, no matter how scary the problem is, they didn't have to bend the knee. They they chose to because they th- they felt that was the right thing to do. And that's the mindset you need when you bend the knee. If you don't, then it's meaningless and the trust isn't really there. So in the moment, yes, you'll get that peace. But long term, it, it won't stay solid because the foundation isn't there. Um, and that's a super, super deep concept to put into a kid's movie, family movie, I guess. So I love the message in this one. The characters are fine. I thought they did a really good job at targeting a specific type of people, but also making it palatable and easy to understand for everyone else. Like, again, I'm not Southeastern. I'm not a woman, but I still liked the character of Raya. She was fun. I loved her little animal tut tut or whatever they called them like the armadillo guy uh which disney disney loves doing these like these animal sidekicks that don't talk but also talk like with their eyes and they're really good at that uh i love the rest of the crew i'm not sure i think the character i liked the least was raya's um enemy lady girl i just felt like she was she was a little too one-dimensional and i i didn't really see a lot of redemption for her. Like, I didn't understand why Raya chose her above all people to to want to redeem. Like, I guess I understand that um, the other girl, like, hurt Raya. So, like, that was the person, because, because of their relationship, that was the person that she targeted. But there was also a super weird thing at the end, okay? So, spoilers, I guess, if you haven't seen this movie. But at the end... There's a moment where the bad girl has a crossbow and she's pointing it at the dragon and she's like about to pull the trigger and then Raya tries to stop her and then the crossbow bolt goes out and shoots the dragon in the in the chest and the dragon dies and everybody blames Raya and the bad girl's like you're just as as uh, you can be blamed just as much as me and I'm like how I don't like, I felt like that was supposed to be a deep moment, but I was like, she, she, Raya shouldn't be blamed at all. She's not the one who pulled the trigger or brought the crossbow. You're the one who shot the crossbow, crazy lady. Um, so, like, that's, that's like, she's the villain, I guess, because I guess there's, like, big bad villains, which are these, like, little dusty guys. But uh, that one girl, she's, like, the human villain, and she wasn't very villainy to me. So I felt like they could probably could have done a better job in making me not like her and then making the transformation that much more notable, maybe. I don't know. That's just a note. You probably couldn't have done it. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so the characters are really dug. The story are really dug. The uh, message was really cool. Actually, note, the story was a little, a little cliche. 
but not boring. I kind of liked how basically they have to get these gemstones from every village. So it was nice having those beats where they'd go to a new village, a new village, grab a new crystal, and then the next village, grab a new crystal. And then all the, the villages have their had their own feel and all that, so that was really cool. Um, would I rewatch it, though? I don't know. And I think I would chalk that apprehension up to the fact that um, it's just not a story that I'm... It's not a world that I'm really interested in going back to. I might. Like, like it's kind of at the edge of my mind where I'm like, hey, you know, that might be a movie I might re-watch someday. But I'm not like, hey, let's watch it again. Like, it's it's not that kind of enthusiasm. So I'd probably recommend Raya the Last Dragon to, so, to the, the people who haven't seen it. Luca... I don't know. You probably are better off just watching The Little Mermaid and Finding Nemo because you'd get the same thing. Um, there's really nothing in Luca as an adult, I feel, for you. But, you know, uh, if Jasmine loves it this much, then there's there's people who will love it. So uh, that's all I have to say for this episode. So thank you all for tuning in. Uh, check me out on Instagram, Facebook. I am, and my handle is film.talksofficial. Uh, check out my posts. I usually post on Saturday. That's when I release the episode. You can check me out on YouTube at Film Talks. Um, what else am I on? Spotify, Google, Amazon, Apple. And you can find all the links to that stuff in my bio on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, I hope you all uh, have a great week. So long. Mm-hmm.